federal agencies like CBP and ICE have become lightning rods for political controversy and conversation, primarily at the hands of news media. Our guest, former director and founder of Homeland Security, is here to set the record straight. Plus, you might be surprised about all of his talents. He's involved in acting, music, collectibles, art, and so much more. And he's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. We are thrilled to partner with Shatterproof at FHE, the world-renowned treatment program for first responders. Because at times, helpers need help. Exclusive treatment services for first responders who may suffer from exposure to trauma. PTSD, anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420. 833-776-1420. That's 833-776-1420. Or online at fhehealth.com. That's fhehealth.com. Under programs, you'll find details about Shatterproof. Calling us from my home state, Florida. On the phone, we have Lewis Gregory. Lewis, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today's show. Thanks for having me, Jay. I'm excited to chop it up with you. It's good to have you here. And Lewis, by the way, I'm let you know, folks, he's a character. And he and I were talking earlier. One of the things that so many people are surprised about is they have this fixed idea in their mind of what law enforcement people are like. There's stereotypes that are projected by the media and the news and everything else. Lewis defies so many of them, like so many of the guests on Law Enforcement Today's show do. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, before we get into details, I want to let you know he's into entertainment. He's into making and selling and creating challenge coins. And you're retired from the Department of Homeland Security, correct? Yes, sir. I just recently retired. I'm going on three months of retirement. Have you made the transition to active retirement <laughs> very well? You know what? You hit the nail on the head when you said active. I never realized that retirement was so much work. Yeah, it is. I remember I retired very young. And I was like, what do I do with myself? And at first, I was like a fish out of water. And then, all of a sudden, I became busier than I ever was because I had all this other time. You know, that's, that's the thing. Because as you're, when you're in law enforcement, you always have what we, recall, we call our side gig. And we're always hustling when we're off the job, trying to make extra money. And then when you retire, you have all the time in the world, and your side gig becomes your main gig. And the next thing you know, all you're doing is working. It's nonstop. And you you are like all over the place, aren't you? Yeah. You know what? I really think it's a labor of love, and my hobby is business. So everything that I'm doing, whether it's the TV, music, uh, professional sports, or the challenge coins, I really enjoy it. So I don't really think of it as working. They always say, what's the old saying, and I'm going to paraphrase it, if, if your work is your passion or it's a passion uh, that you love, that you do, you're not working. It's it's something you love to do. We're going to talk about all that 
in a moment, and you're not going to want to miss this, folks. There's so many great things that he does. Before we get into conversation about your law enforcement career, the challenge coins. I saw you did one for law enforcement today recently that just is gorgeous. Tell us about that business. That's a huge business, isn't it? Yes, it is, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, We are the only company that offers retail challenge coins. Most challenge coin companies, you have to give them a design, and then you have to make a 100 of them, spend over a 1000 bucks. And that's what led me to create this platform where people can go and shop hundreds of different styles and buy just one coin, or they can buy 10 different coins. So it's, it's a collectible market that we're developing, and we've had the support of some celebrities and some athletes that love law enforcement, and we're trying to put it all together. So it really is something a lot of collectors are into. I've got a few, and I'm starting to get really into them, but I know people that are, like, rabid about challenge coins. You know what? They're, they're challenge coin fanatics, and they want to collect all of them because it's a symbol of pride and morale, and it's a testament to what one asterisk means. Asterisk is a star that's on the number eight key on the keyboard, but it's kind of a play on words, and it means one ask to risk. And that's what we have, and that's why we all have to be safe out there. And these are symbols of that. It's a great one. And uh, by the way, you can see this and a lot of other challenge coins you have available online for sale. What is your website? The website is leochallengecoins.com, and LEO stands for Law Enforcement Officer. You know, it's funny. I've been retired from the Baltimore Police Department since, well, a long time ago. I didn't hear, I never heard the term Leo until maybe five years ago it's always always cop or police or whatever (laughs) they do louis leo gregory right yeah i you'd be surprised so many people see the website and then they hear my name and then next thing i know they're calling me leo instead of louis i'm fine fine with that as long as they're buying coins as long as they're they're paying they can call you whatever they want Uh, the website again is leochallengecoin.com challenge coins with an s challengecoins.com we'll talk about that more later on you, you mentioned you you just recently retired from uh, department of homeland security so how many years did you do with the federal government and law enforcement two decades i started with the department of treasury with what would become the department of homeland security i was a founding member of dhs now it's funny i remember when all this occurred vaguely but it seems like dhs has been around forever but the truth is you guys are a post-9-11 entity, correct? Yeah, you know, the idea for DHS um, was in 2001, but it took until 2003 for it to become a reality. And it's a combination of several branches of the federal government that form DHS, Department of Homeland Security? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of agencies within DHS. I worked for U.S. Customs and Border Protection, which is the largest law enforcement agency in America with 60,000 employees. And they're huge. Everybody says CBP, and everybody thinks that's Customs and Border Patrol, but that's not correct, is it? You know what? That's something that's really important to the people who work there because it's often misquoted. CBP stands for U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The media calls it Customs and Border Patrol, but there's three elements to CBP, and one of them is Border Patrol, one of them is Field Operations, and the third is Air and Marine, and those three components make up CBP. And they do a lot more than just work the border. They, this is one of the things, you know, being a, a city police, uh, I didn't realize 
agencies like ATF did so much more than just alcohol and tobacco. Uh, I didn't realize that DEA did all that they did. I had no idea that Secret Service handled all the things that they do, and I had absolutely zero clue about all the work that Customs does. And it's not just about our ports. They do so much more than that, isn't it? Sure. You know, and not only are they the biggest agency in America, they're the oldest. They were passed by the first act of Congress in the late 1700s, 1789. And they had revenue cutters, and the purpose back then was to collect taxes. And over time, you know, the IRS didn't exist back then. And some of those responsibilities went over to the IRS. But still to this day, Customs is number two in collecting revenue for the United States. And you'll hear on the news so much about the border right now and the wall. But it's important to remember that it's not just people that come in and out of the country. It's goods. And every good that's being brought in or brought out comes through Customs and Border Protection, not just to collect tax, but to make sure that it's genuine and to make sure that things that are entering commerce are safe for the, for the public and safe for even toys, safe for children to play with. So they have a lot of responsibilities, and they enforce more state, local, and federal laws than any other agency. I had a guest on quite a while ago named Jason Piccolo, and he talked about the border and CBP. And one of the things he brought up was that the news loves to tell you that there's no real crisis, there's no real problems there. And he said they've had problems for decades and that it's all controlled by the cartels. Nothing gets across the southern border unless the cartels, who are very violent, get some sort of cut of the deal. Well, you know, the southern border is a huge, huge landmass, and it's extremely difficult to protect an area with insufficient resources, whether it's people, aircrafts, or technology. And those that multi-layer approach is what's necessary to prevent things from coming in that you don't want in. And I think, you know, we hear so much right now about the wall and why the wall is important. And to that regard, it's very important. But the wall doesn't prevent people, illegal um, immigrants, from being in the United States because the vast majority of them came in on an airplane and overstayed their visa, and that's, right. that's the reality of that. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Lewis Gregory. Lewis is a retired Department of Homeland Security muckety-muck. He's, he was way up in the chain. This guy is into so many great things you want to hear about. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420 or online at fhehealth.com. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. 
So many people ask me, how did I transition from police work to a career in radio? Plus, host of the syndicated Law Enforcement Today radio talk show and podcast. The answer is simple. I attended the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, where I learned by doing. At the Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, students learn in months, not years. For veterans, some or all your tuition could be covered by your VA benefits. Connecticut Schools of Broadcasting, training in audio, video production, television, sports, podcasting, radio, and web development. Get more information. Call 800-887-2346 or online at gocsb.com. For special offers and consideration, tell them you heard about them from Law Enforcement Today. Back to our conversation with Lewis Gregory. Lewis is retired Department of Homeland Security. I'm not sure what rank, you guys have different ranking structure. What was your official position before you retired, Lewis? Uh, I retired as a director. That's way up there. It was kind of close to the top. There's a couple above me. Um, But, I, you know, going back to when I started as a GS5 trainee, I never imagined that I would retire as a director. But it was really a testament to the men and women that I worked with. And having advocates and having trustworthy people around you that support you, you know, that's the biggest thing in law enforcement, when you have somebody that has your back. I'll be honest with you. I had one of my daughters tell me the other day that she's she applied to take the test for a local police department uh, where she lives in New York State. And internally, I was freaking out. She was like, I didn't want you to have a heart attack. And I was like, oh, my God. But I told her. I said, real, in all honesty, said, if you decide to take the job, because I know you'll pass the test, you're going to get trained, you get tr- excellent training. You'll be around a lot of the people with excellent training, and there's a really good chance you won't go through all the horrible things I went through. Uh, but you'll be around really good people who have the same equipment and training as you, so you will never be alone. And I actually, re- I believe that at the bottom of my heart. It's still frightening as a parent. Well, sure. You know, any time that you have somebody you care about that's putting the reality of policing is that you're putting yourself at risk to save somebody else. So the thought of us having our child or somebody that we love and care about putting themselves at risk is always a scary thought. But the fact that we have people who have our back, we have equipment, we know how to use it and we train. Training is key and we never give up because you, you I'm sure you remember hearing this when you're training. <laughs> yeah. They say, if you're, not, if you're not trying, you're dying. Exactly. We were. I was yeah. drilled in this from day one, Lewis, and I know you're going to agree with me. It, it, they said it didn't matter what the situation was. If you were in a fight with Muhammad Ali and he was cleaning your clock, you you could never give up. You had to stay in the fight because backup was right around the corner. Uh, you know, fortunately, Muhammad Ali was a really nice guy, but you get the point of what I'm saying. Sure. You know, you're, when the proverbial, you know, what hits the fan, you're waiting for the blue wave. The group of guys and girls in blue uniform sometimes in green uniform that come to have your back and you got to hang in the fight because when that wave comes everything's going to be okay there's a misconception a lot of people have and i'll be honest with you i'm as guilty as many uh for many years i think that unless you worked in a in a really busy city and police environment you really weren't at risk and I, i know that's not true i've learned as i've gotten older but a lot of times i didn't have that same feeling or sentiment of of potential danger for our federal agents, whatever branch they're in. And that's really not even remotely close to being true, is it? Well, you know, what I've realized is that times change, training changes, and threats change. And recently, I think two things that are fundamental to police training, unfortunately, one is active shooter training. 
being prepared for an active shooter scenario. And two is mental health, not just our own mental health, which is hugely important, but the mental health of the public. And sometimes you're interacting with somebody who has a mental health issue and you have to know how to deal with that because sometimes those are the scenarios that get out of hand fast. They do, and you get them quite often. And without getting political, prior to the 1980s, people who had mental illnesses that exhibited any type of symptoms were usually, for lack of better words, hospitalized of whether they wanted to or not uh, and were cared for. Then things changed, and they were all on the street. And our police, who really aren't, they're not psychologists, they're not psychiatrists, they're not emergency room nurses, but they're expected to learn and be able to diagnose and somehow disarm and de-escalate someone verbally all the time, no matter what their mental state. Sure, and to take it a step further, they also have to, to a certain degree, become a medical professional and know if they can use Narcan to save somebody's life if they're overdosed. Yeah, that's something we didn't have back in the day when I was policing. That was... I don't. I guess part of me goes. I'd love that we have that availability now uh, to save lives, but then again, then you have the the liability and a possible civil liability against the officer who does or does not administer Narcan, and that's something else that that comes with that territory that a lot of people don't understand. Well, the flip side of the coin is that the the great thing about Narcan is sometimes we're exposed to narcotics in in carrying out our duties. And we have to use it on ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's something you've never, never really thought of. When we talk about Homeland Security and talk about CBP, obviously, you're one of the directors, but you had a lot of experience. You said you came from the ground up. You were a GS-5 and then retired. Was that at 16, 17? Uh, GS-15 is the GS-15. highest rank on the, on the general scale. So that's where I show my ignorance. But you obviously had to come from, work your way up. Have times changed that dramatically for the boots on the ground, whether it be at our southern border or at our ports? Are they encountering more danger, doing with less than you did back in the day? Well, I'll tell you that when I started, um, our mission was to look for contraband, whether it was cash being smuggled in or out, drugs, anything that was illegal. After 9-11, that was still our mission, but the priority became preventing terrorism. And then when the agencies merged, we also uh, took the immigration component and and it all went together and agriculture, protecting uh, the agricultural industry in the United States. So that was, those are three really big missions, right? That you have one person responsible for. So I think what happened was you lost a specialization. So in a police department or in the military, you have uh, an individual who specializes in one thing and they get really good at it. But when we took all of these missions and we lumped them together and people had to become a jack of all trades. So as time went by, you did lose your specializations. One of our biggest tools when I started, believe it or not, and it was taught this way, was a gut feeling. Yeah. When you're talking, when you're talking to somebody at the border, you just get that feeling. All right, this guy's, he's got something. I don't know what it is. I'm going to follow this process, and the process for us was uh, bag, body, internal. So I would determine, is it in their bag? Is it on their, on their body, or is it inside of their body? But that was a gut feeling that led to that. And now we have lost a lot of that specialization that gives you that gut feeling, but we've also gained 
a lot of technological advances that help us to bridge that gap. I understand totally when you talk about that gut feeling. There, there's instinctual stuff that you learn in, in policing. And I'm using that term to cover all, all of our agencies. Uh, and people in the media, social activists, and especially in social media, love to make this term gut feeling or instinct or hunch make it sound as if it's somehow dishonest based on racial profiling or anything else and that's that's really not a good explanation and i'm not really good at explaining the difference but i suspect you might be sure well one of the tools that we use is called the dder which stands for detecting deception and eliciting a response and we go through a line of questionings when we're interviewing somebody to determine if they're telling us the truth so we take that information and we add that to what we're seeing, our visual observations of the person. And you can actually look at somebody, their carotid artery in their neck, and you can see if it starts oh, yeah. bumping, they're very nervous. They're most likely lying to you about something. And the other thing is that we have information, right? We have access to systems that tell us things. And most people don't know that we have the answers to a lot of the questions that we're asking. One of the things we used to do is put the hand on their chest and see how their breathing was and their their heartbeat. (laughs) It was, why are you nervous, bro? Uh, That was a a big (laughs) indicator that something really, but I'd get nervous when I get stopped by the police for a traffic violation. So part of that's to be expected, but you learn over time the differences between, when you talk about detecting responses in people, between normal anxiety and nervousness and attempting to hide criminal behavior. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. We're talking with our guest, Lewis Gregory. He's got a lot of fascinating things to talk about in addition to law enforcement career, entertainment, sports, celebrities, and challenge coins. All that and more coming up on Law Enforcement Today's show. We'll be right back. The Officer Down Memorial Podcast tells the real stories of the men and women we've lost in the line of duty. It is one of the darkest days in Itasca County's history. From the officers who were there. He's probably maybe one of the best investigators and a natural born one. And family and friends who were left behind. We try to get distance from people's tragedies, but the death of Beefy, it just shot home to all of us how permanent murder is. You can subscribe to the Officer Down Memorial Podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Flintstone Media has been the digital messaging bedrock of several brands and businesses, serving as a highly resourceful podcast production house and consultancy firm for over six years. Work with a leader in the industry and add a new podcast to your brand's content offerings. From show development and setup through recording and distribution, Jemmy will lend her experience launching dozens of podcasts and producing over a thousand episodes, making creating your show a simple and easy turnkey process for you. Visit FlintstoneMedia.com for podcast samples. That's FlintstoneMedia.com. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Returning to our conversation with Lewis Gregory. Lewis recently retired. 
uh, for a career, lengthy career, with the United States federal government and Department of Homeland Security. He is one of the directors and uh, one of the founding members of that agency, correct? Yes, sir. Oh, I, I'm thrilled to have you on. And we've been talking about doing this for a long time and just have never been able to put it together. So thanks for taking time out of your day. I find our conversation and a lot of what's happening in the general conversation that when we talk about the southern border, uh, everybody focuses on immigration or as they call it migration. They they shy away from terms like illegal or undocumented or uh, any of those things. And it becomes very politically charged. And I think, not from what I've heard from people I've talked to, that so much of what groups like CBP does is is not conveyed in that story. And we lose touch with how dangerous and difficult their job is. Well, I, I think the media or society in general tends to focus on the negatives. They don't talk too much about the babies that are being delivered by these officers and these agents. They don't talk about um, these agents protecting agriculture. For instance, in California, they have a, a hugely important agriculture component to the United States, to our economy, and to our food table. So we have to make sure that pests, whether it's an animal or a disease, don't get into the United States because, God forbid, something got in and killed all the orange trees. Right. What would we do? Um, so that's a, that's... That's really important, um, and not to forget also the component of bioterrorism and people who want that to happen, preventing those people from being successful. The thing is that when you're protecting so many things, whether it's children and toys or food or getting criminals out of the United States that don't belong here, the chances are that what's going to make it onto the TV are the negatives. And it's unfortunate, but that's just the way that the news works. And it's that way with policing in any city, too. They, they don't focus on the positive. Positive news doesn't sell. And and by the way, the old saying was, if it bleeds, it leads. And the, the more dramatic the headline, the more people get attention and the more they sell. And most people don't even bother to read the story. Sure, sure. And, you know, the, the, the feel-good stories, for instance... We have uh, a leader with Customs and Border Protection. His name is John Wagner, and he developed something called Global Entry that allowed people to apply and be pre-vetted for a trusted traveler program. So when they returned to the United States, they fast-tracked in and didn't have a long wait. And that allowed, not only did it allow the U.S. citizens to get in quickly, but it allowed the officers now to focus their attention on threats, because 99% of the people coming in and out are lawful law-abiding citizens. So these, to me, that was groundbreaking for border security and something that's emulated throughout the world now. But I don't think you've ever heard of it on the news, right? No, I've never heard of it. And I, I do know this. You, you guys, when I say you guys, I mean all the men and women that, that work at all the facets of the federal government on our borders. Uh, they have to be right all the time. They can't make mistakes. If a mistake comes in, and you said a good thing, 99.9% of these people are, are great people, but you get that one-tenth of a percent and they get through, they can create a lot of harm, a lot of damage, and a lot of death. For sure. And, you know, you have to also find a balance in the lawful travel and trade that's coming in and out. And how do you find that balance to detect and remove those threats without impeding and these travelers and the goods, because that has an impact on the economy. And in 
in policing in the community, what you do doesn't impact the national or the right. world economy. No. Right? So if, if something happens, um, let's say, for instance, you're in Florida, so you know what it's like to under, undergo a hurricane. Now, what happens when that airport has Miami International Airport, believe it or not, has almost 2,000 Customs and Border Protection officers just at that airport? If those officers are impacted by the hurricane and they can't get to that airport when it opens back up, well, guess what? The airplanes, the seaport, the ships, the economy screeches to a halt. So that's really uh, something that impacts all of us. And it's a lot of our, our trade, uh, a lot, which is also in the news a lot lately, about global trade, the, the global economy, and how dependent we are on getting our goods out and getting goods in. And it's something a guy like me just doesn't really c- comprehend or think about. Well, if you go into your house, chances are almost every part of, from the, the doorknob you turn to get into the tile you step on when you walk inside, probably went through Customs and Border Protection to get here. And that doorknob, they made sure that it was made of the products that the company reported it to be so that when you put it on your house, it didn't fall apart. And that tile that came in, they made sure that when that tile came from Italy and those tiles are packed with wood, that it didn't have wood-boring insects. That Because I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's happened that people get cabinets or something wooden installed in their house and that wood came from another country. And next thing you know, they have wood-boring beetles eating their house. I have heard of that. And we have enough of this, that kind of stuff here. Uh, and by the way, for those who aren't in Florida listening, uh, and, and I know Louis going to know exactly what I'm talking about, we have a species of toad that is invasive that lives down here that secretes a poison off its back called a bofu that was brought in to help combat insects with sugarcane. And these things have no natural predators. They are absolutely everywhere. If your dog, your cat licks it, there's a very good chance if you don't get it treated right away, it's going to die. So I can see that we don't want a lot of these things, these other animals that are invasive coming into our country. For sure. And those toads have killed. I mean, I've had my own dogs killed because of them. They're terrible. And if we're, if we're not vigilant and we lose focus or we over-focus on one threat and then another threat gets by, then everybody pays the price. How bad is a recruiting situation for our federal agencies, say CBP or Customs? Well, that's a great question. Um, the recruiting process for Customs and Border Protection is difficult. Two things that make it very difficult is the remoteness of a lot of the areas that are staffing deficient on the southwest border. It's very hard to get people to want to move to the middle of nowhere. And in a lot of scenarios, they're so remote that there's no houses, and these individuals are starting work and having to live in a trailer on the border. So that in itself, and I'm sure most of the listeners have no idea that's even happening, but that's a reality. And number two, it's a long process. Once you get into the process, you have to take a test, and then you have to take a polygraph, and the polygraph is very difficult. And the way that things are happening right now in the United States, and in a lot of states, marijuana smoking is legal. Whether it's medical or social, different states have different laws, but the federal government still has marijuana as illegal. So if you smoke marijuana, you can't work for the U.S. government. 
and you're going to want them getting popped on the polygraph. So this is a problem I hear all the time that uh, is not unique just to you guys for a certain, but they do a great job and they're really not appreciated for what they do. And you can say that about anybody in public service as a first responder. Our firefighters are unappreciated. Our corrections officers certainly aren't appreciated the level they should be. Dispatchers, police, whether it be federal, local, uh, aren't. And everybody's having recruiting problems. And one of the things I always say about it's great about living in the United States is if you have an emergency of any type, a medical emergency or someone's breaking into your house, committing a crime, you, no matter where you are except maybe parts of Alaska uh, or very rural parts of uh, New Mexico, you can pick up 911, call the phone, and a first responder will be there within moments. Uh, not everybody in the world has that luxury. So it's very important that we staff with the best people possible at all branches uh, of our federal and state and local uh, first responders. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore. Because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by special guest Lewis Gregory. Lewis is recently retired director, one of the directors of Federal Homeland Security. Thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show, Lewis. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a great time. You do so many different things. Now, I want people listening to understand, there is a stereotype that people have about law enforcement officers. And you know, I have some of those myself. That, But almost without exception, when I talk to people, there are so many talents. They have so many creative fields they do. Music, art, languages, highly educated. And you're one of these guys that breaks a lot of these preconceived stereotypes that unfortunately are perpetrated by Hollywood. Uh, you're into creating challenge coins. We'll talk about your website again in a moment. You sell those. You're also involved in entertainment industry. Tell us about that. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you. You make me out to be something very fascinating <laughs> but i you know my wife she is my my rock and she's what makes it possible for me to do all of these things and she's the person that always reminds me to be humble and to give back um so many years ago before the tragedies of 9-11 i was producing music i was working with artists like jennifer lopez mary j blige eric b and rock kim some of the biggest names in hip-hop and pop music, but what happened on 9-11 really made me want to push myself to making a difference, and and that's really what I did, and I let go of my businesses and what I was doing in the entertainment business, and I signed up to fight terrorism. Everything changed for you that day, didn't it? Well, you know, I, I think that I always wanted to get into law enforcement because my big brother was in law enforcement and I thought it was great, but I thought when I did it, it would be an adventure. And after however many months or years I did it, I would go back to the entertainment business, but it was just too important for me and I couldn't do that. And I, and I was in law enforcement for about 10 years 
until I said, okay, now I think I'm going to slowly dip my toe back into entertainment. And I started getting into music again. And then I started getting into professional sports. And uh, Bill Goldberg, the WWE champion, reached out to me. Um, and I became a member of Team Goldberg. And things just started taking off from there. And the next 10 years, it got to the point where I said, you know what, I think I've paid my dues. I've done my share for the community. And now it's time for me to chase my dreams before it's too late. That's a great idea. I, I, and it's people say to me all the time, they'll say, well, I do a music radio show uh, at a radio station in Florida Keys. And I've been doing full-time radio broadcasting for about 10 years now, 15 years actually. And it's something I picked up after retiring from law enforcement. And they, they are amazed that someone who was a street cop uh, all of a sudden in their mind is music driven, is into entertaining, and is into broadcasting. And I was always into that. I just never had the microphone. And I've also since met many other retired police or former police and uh, military veterans who are great performers and their great broadcasters would be television or radio. I think once you have the creative juices flowing, regardless of what profession, whatever path you follow, they're, they're always going to be there. But I think when you put on that uniform and when you take that oath, I think that you get a certain confidence that you've done good, that you, you have this ability to do good for people because that's really what it's about when you're behind the badge is doing good for people. It is. And I think that when you retire from that prof- profession, the ability to do good now, it can culminate by merging with your creativity. And I think you are better at what you're doing now than had you tried to do it without the experiences that you had in that uniform. I, I think you're, you're probably correct. And, and uh, I was just thinking about this the other day. That when I was a rookie policeman, right out of the academy, you graduate the academy, you think you know everything, you realize very quickly you know nothing at all uh, other than book smarts and regulations and the people skills take a while to develop. But there's always the nagging doubt, can I do this? Will I be able to stand up when things get really, really bad or when you say that blank hits a fan? Uh, and when the blank hits a fan and you make it through and you make it through all these instances, you might get banged up, you might get dinged up, or you certainly will in my case, physically and mentally to some degree. But there is an inner confidence that, that you generate that, look, as long as people aren't shooting at me, this isn't stressful and I can I can figure it out as I go along. Yeah, like we said earlier, you never give up and life deals you a hand and folding is never an option you got to play that hand the best way that you can and eventually as you get further along you're going to get more face cards dealt to you and you're going to get more opportunities look uh i had the opportunity to co-star on abc's number one comedy for two seasons in a row and i'm i was just cast for next season on the goldbergs on abc um i've become great friends with Adam F. Goldberg, and he's actually partnering with me now on these challenge coins. So everything has come full circle. What's the character's name you play on the television show? Uncle Louie. Oh, well that Louis and Louie. And, uh, by the way, Uncle Louie is a name you use quite often for your other creative fields, isn't it? You know, when I was in law enforcement, I never let my outside employment as Uncle Louie and my position as Louis Gregory I never let them cross paths. And when I retired, it was like a weight lifted off of my shoulder because I no longer had to hide anything. 
You know, I could tell people, this is what I did. I, I made it a point never to discuss my job with the government, with anybody up until a few months ago, unless I really, really knew them. But now that I'm retired, I can talk about everything. And the crazy thing is for me to tell them, hey, I was promoted nine times through every rank and uniform. I retired as a director with the largest law enforcement agency in America. And I work with the UFC and the WWE, and I'm on a TV show on ABC. Well, their first reaction is, this something's wrong with this Something's guy. wrong with this cat. Give him some Prozac, because uh, <laughs> he's not where, he's, he's not, not in command of his senses. <laughs> that's that's amazing. And I, by the way, I did a Google search for Louis Gregory, and I kept seeing Uncle Louie, and I was like, this Uncle Louie is about this musician, that musician, and this. And then uh, there's like two references to you in Google under Louis Gregory and Homeland Security, and the rest is all Uncle Louie. I had no idea they were one and the same person. Well, did you just find that out just a second? I just did, to be honest with you. And that amazes me because it goes back to the old thing. And I tell my wife this all the time. Uh, we started watching a, a, a series on television, uh, City on the Hill on Showtime. And they always have to have a stereotypical cop or firefighter. He's a drunk. Uh, He doesn't get along with his ex-wife. He owes alimony and child support. And he pops pills. And he he hates everybody. And uh, they always push that stereotype. But I've never seen a character like you in any television show. This is a law enforcement officer, a professional. And these are all the creative things that he or she does. And I think that right there will blow a lot of people's minds. Well, you know what? I, I really appreciate that. And I've had the blessing to work with some amazing people, to become friends with some amazing people. Um, I'm working right now with Michael Strahan, who also has a passion for supporting veterans and military. And we're working with an organization called Merging Veterans and Players with the NFL. And I think that it's important for guys like you and me to help bridge that gap and get people to know what cops are really like and that we're just regular guys and girls just like them and we chose this profession because we wanted to do something good and a lot of us sacrificed other dreams to do it yeah absolutely uh, it's a real calling it was a calling for me and i know it's a calling a vocation for lots of people your primary business though uh, one of the that fascinates me is the, the challenge coins and what is your website address again the website is leochallengecoins.com. That's leochallengecoins with an S.com. And, you know, I think that the reason that this company is so successful, we call them challenge coins, but they're not just round coins. These, I design every one of the coins myself, and they're really outside of the box. I really love our coins that are shaped like the bulletproof vest because that's such a symbolic piece of equipment for us. But they're a lot of fun just to get on the website and look at them. There's over 200 different ones. And people can buy one, two. They don't have to order a thousand of them. Yeah, they can buy just one challenge coin. And before we run out of time, give us the website address for your challenge coins business one more time. Sure. The website is leochallengecoins.com, and a portion of proceeds from every sale goes to an organization called LEO Only, and the money goes to take the children of fallen police personnel on Christmas shopping sprees. Louis Gregory, thank you so much for your service, and thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week 
and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.